So, we, we continue with our series. And you know, I like what Chris said last week. He talked about the fact that all these spare seats that we have in front of us are to be filled with people who are seeking and searching for Jesus. If you didn't get, uh, you weren't here last week, well, first, you know, where were you? (laughs) But you can listen to the podcast, but just a quick summary. One of the things that Chris challenged us to do was to move out of our circles of comfort. You know, the people that you know, the people that you see every Sunday. Instead of going to see them, go meet someone you've not met before. Now, here's an interesting thing. You know, when you do that, and you get outside of your, of your comfort zone, or as someone, as he puts it, the zone of the unknown, which is, you get out there, what do you do? Well, what we're going to do this morning is look at the next step. Now, you've decided to come out of your circle of comfort. You recognize that you need to reach out to people. So you get into the zone of the unknown, and you need to think to yourself, well, I'm out, yeah? What am I to do? Well, today we're going to consider how we engage in the lives of people around us, which means we develop friendships, discover stories, and discern the next steps. In other words, this session is called Living in 3D. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I had to smile because watching Wimbledon, you know, he says, and those of you who want to see it in 3D, now go to, you've got to have the television. Well, you don't need a television. You can actually live in 3D. So let's look at the first one, developing relationships. You know, it's interesting what Paul, uh, the apostle said. He said this, he said, you know, don't look out for your own interests, but look out for the interests of others. I've been a Christian a long time, and if you ask me about, you know, what, how did I become a Christian, I used to go to church regularly. My dad sent me. And one day we had what we call a Christian camp, and my dad sent my brother and I, and the guy sp- preached a simple message. He just said, does Jesus Christ make a difference in your life? And he didn't, and I wanted him to. And I received him there and then, and 35 years later, he's still making a difference. That's my testimony. 35 years later, He's still making a difference. But one of the things that happened to me is I went to a church that was a good church. It was a Bible-believing church. But what happened is I moved out of London away from the people that I knew and went to this Baptist church. And what actually happened was that slowly but surely, all the people that I knew who were not Christians, they, I slowly just disappeared. They disappeared out of my life. And in fact... My life was full of activity. We would go to the prayer meeting on Friday. We'd have a six o'clock prayer meeting in the morning. There would be lots of activities and things. And slowly but surely, what happened in my life is that I didn't meet any people who were not Christians. And in fact, we didn't want to. You know, every Sunday we would eat at each other's houses and it was comfortable, it was wonderful. And the last thing you wanted to do was actually get involved with non-Christian people, unbelievers. You know, the ungodly. So, over a period of time, I found that I had hardly any contacts with non-Christian people. And this is an interesting thing if you look at the trajectory 
of people who come to Christ. Initially, at the beginning, they have lots of contacts with people who are outside of Christ, who, don't, who are not followers of Jesus. And then what happens over a period of time as they get involved in church and you get involved with other people, that their contact is reduced. Now, what is this life cycle that Christ encourages? Well, my experience is this. You know, as we experience more of his love and his mercy and his compassion and his forgiveness, we want others to taste and see that the Lord is good. That's what my experience is. As I've experienced more of his mercy, I want others to taste. We want people to experience the glory of his goodness. We sang it this morning. And that, that phrase, glory of his goodness, it's, it's, it's captured my heart. I want to experience more of the glory of his goodness, and I want to be able to express that to others. Our aim, our <laughs> this is a quote from the book here, but he says this. As our arms grow wider in worship, they correspondingly grow wider in acceptance. If you are a follower of Jesus, if you have experienced the glory of his goodness, then the trajectory of your life is not inward towards the church, but it's outward towards the world. It has to be. It has to overflow. You must be, when God comes and he ministers his compassion and his mercy and his forgiveness to you, you must have a heart to want to have others experience that same mercy and forgiveness and cleansing. So, how can we develop friendships with people? Some practical stuff now, because you know, I was going to preach there, but I had to hang back. Right. Simple. Smile. And the whole world smiles at you. <laughs> it, 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 it's, it's, we are dis- if you smile, I do it a lot, and people wonder what I'm on. <laughs> you know, whatever it is, I want some. <laughs> Yeah? But smile at people. It's, a, it's just a simple thing to do. Next one here. Give grace to people. It, Jesus is on the cross. He's, he's about to, to give up his life. And there's a thief there. And the thief says to him, Lord, have, have mercy on me, in other words. And Jesus says, look, before the day ends, you will be with me in paradise. Jesus didn't judge him. He had mercy on him. The woman caught in the act of adultery in John 8. The the Pharisees, the religious people, wanted to stone her. And he just said, he was without saying, let him throw the first stone. And then when everybody had gone, he says, does no one condemn you? Neither do I. It's a sad fact that some of the most judgmental people on the face of the planet are Christians, particularly of the evangelical variety. You know, we, we're so concerned about sin and not being, being caught up in it that we are judging people. But, you know, but give people grace because when you get into, to hear their story, they're going to tell you things that if you had hair like mine, it would curl. <laughs> right? But the reality is that we don't judge people. Give grace to people. Next point here. Compliment people. You know, if you go out and you get, a, you get a cup of coffee and the person serves you well, compliment them and use their name, especially if it's on the badge. You want to get their attention, you simply say, thank you, Grace. Now, I've been out with Chris and if, you know, if, we're gonna, if he gets good service, he tips well. Compliment people. You'd be surprised. You know, and by the way, I mean genuine. 
You know, not you're, you're complimenting them because you want to control them. <laughs> no, genuine compliments. These are ways you can connect with people. Build rapport. Look for connections. I'm going to develop this later. It's, I call it F-O-R, Family Occupation Recreation. Look for connections. So, these are just some simple things we can do to, to, to develop relationships with people. I'm going to talk later about you know, how you kind of get out of your comfort zone, etc., etc. But be interested in people. And it's not just for the extroverts or the preachers or the pastors, it's for everybody. All right. Discovering people's stories is our next point here. Look for connections, I've got that, yes. Ask open questions. Oh, I've got some more slides. Now, you know, when you're talking to people, one of the big worries that people have, I know particularly if you are not, you know, you say, I'm not an extrovert, you know, I'm an introverted person, how do I keep the conversation going? Well, what you do is you ask questions. You know, where are you from? You know, how did you get here? What type of work did you do? How did you get into that line of work? If you keep asking the questions, they will give you the information. You don't have to be blah, blah, blah. You ask questions, you listen, you nod, you smile. Yeah? This is practical stuff. You listen, you nod, you smile. So, so how, you know, how long have you been living here? Really? So you've just moved into here? So where did you come from? God, so what kind of work did you do? Oh, that's very interesting. So, so how did you get into that line of work? And then you do this. Really? <laughs> really? <laughs> and what did you do next? And they'll give you the information. They'll talk with you. Now, I've learned it. After a while, it just becomes natural. That you ask people questions, you nod, you smile. And you do, really? <laughs> okay. Spot potential in people. Don't see people as they are, broken, messed up. See the potential, because when God looked at you, he saw your potential. He didn't see you as you were. He saw you as the finished product. And when we're looking at people, don't look at them, well, you know, they're whiskey drinking, cigar smoking, what, you know, whatever it is. Don't look at them like that. Look at them as God sees them. You know, I work with the YMCA, and of course I go into the hostel, and when you see people there, there's no provado. You're not there because you ain't got anything else better to do. It's because you ain't got anywhere to live. So therefore, it's raw. Excuse me. It's raw. There's no bravado. But what you need to do is when you see that person, see them through God's eyes and see the potential in them. See how the enemy has tried to take away from them all the potential and all the, the beauty and all the glory that, they should, that should be manifest through them, how that's being destroyed and see God's potential to restore them and to bring them back. That's what redemption is all about. It's undoing the works of darkness in people's lives so that we become what God intended us to be so that we can begin to live out the life he intended for us in the first place. So see people's potential and extend healthy hands to a withered world. See, God doesn't just save you and heal you and make you whole so for you. He does it so that you can be a conduit of blessing and mercy to others. So, the next D in 3D living, discovering people's stories. And I, and I asked the Lord, I said, well, Lord, you know, 
there's a number of which stories do you want me to remember? And this one I, I'm reminded of, I'll tell you. I'll call her name Amy because she has a very specific name. But Amy, uh, one, we have a, a, a direct sales business and she wanted to buy some products from us. So uh, I went round and met Amy and her husband. She wanted a water treatment system, so we provided that for her. But what I found out was that she's in business. So I just talked about some business stuff, and it was a little bit of kind of a counseling session. So she got a water treatment system, and she got uh, some counsel. Anyway, she was so happy with the counsel and the, w and the water treatment system that she wanted to take me out for a meal. So I kind of went, hmm, I don't do dates. She's about 33, 34, no, 32, 33. So I kind of said to her, look, wouldn't it be better for us just to, to, to have a meal at your house with your husband and then we could come around? But she insisted that her husband is a very shy person and he doesn't really do meals. But uh, let's go to a restaurant. And her husband agreed to come and then on the day he bailed. So there am I with Amy and we're in Holborn and and I tell the team, if you see me with a young woman in Holborn at a restaurant, I tell my wife, it's not my girlfriend, it's, you know, it's, I've been asked out. You know, you have to do these things, especially when you're a minister of the gospel, you know, you can't just, you've got to think about these things. You know I may not have to, but I do. So anyway, we get there now and we get into the restaurant and she starts to talk about her life and she says, well, you know, I've got two master's degrees and She's from Asia, she's moved to the UK, and I worked so hard to get those degrees, and on the day of my graduation, my parents didn't want to come, and they were more concerned about my sister, which really upset me. And then when I met my husband in the UK now, I wanted to, obviously we wanted to get married, and I was hoping that my dad would come over and, and give me away, but he didn't come. Then lo and behold, the woman starts weeping in the, in the middle of the restaurant. You know, there's black mascara running down her face. And I'm thinking, oh, mercy. <laughs> what do I do now, Lord? And I listened, and the Lord just said, look, pray a blessing over her and tell her from me that as my daughter, Father, I'm proud of her. So I just ministered that to her. She just, the peace of God just come over. I prayed in the middle of the restaurant. You can keep your eyes open when you do these things, right? <laughs> And the peace of God just came over her. We finished the meal. And then we, what we were going to do was meet, her husband was going to come and meet us so we could all drive back together. Now, here's the point. Did Amy come to a knowledge of Jesus and give her heart to him? No. All it was was that I was just a conduit to which God wanted to communicate to that young woman that he cared about her, that he's for her. He wanted to affirm her. He wanted to give her some attention. He wanted to give her some affection. And he wanted to let her know that he is her advocate. And here's the point, God can do it with you. And when you make yourself open, when you get out of your zone of comfort, when you begin to connect with people, these God things will happen. I mean, Linda Hall talking to me just the other day about them going to a coffee shop somewhere and they decided to sit here, then they didn't sit here, they sit somewhere else. And the encounter that they had was one of those God encounters and they prayed for the person and there was a connection there. You see, the key thing is this. You need to make yourself available. So busy doing life. 
If you want to develop relationships, we just need to make ourselves available to God. Now then, what does discovering people's stories start with? Some simple things. Taking the risk to engage with people who are not followers of Jesus. What I love in the book is that, that Bill Hybels, he wants to do some studying, so instead of going to the Moody Bible Institute, he decides to go to the hotel and sit in the foyer. And in other words, he puts himself in the proximity of those people. Getting out of your circle of comfort and meeting people, developing the potential for, for close proximity with people who are living far from God. Now, what happens is, as you become a Christian, you, uh, a follower of Jesus, that proximity gets, gets uh, constricts. But what you need to do is practically say, well, no, I'm going to go and sit down at the coffee shop. I'm going to actually get out there. Now, those who are full-time ministers, okay, I'm a chaplain, the, the, the danger for us is that we can live in that office. We are comfortable. We come to work every day. You know, the, the anointing of God is on us. We go into the office. The only issues we have to have are with the staff. Yeah? Well, if, yeah. But actually, you actually have to be intentional. That's the word, intentional, about meeting others. Now then, I could say this. You know, wherever you live, are all the people on the street that you live in followers of Jesus? So, there's opportunity for you to be intentional to meet them. Now, how does it start? I mean, I, I'm terrible because I, I want to really run ahead. The fact is, in the morning when you're going out, say hi to people. You know, get to know them. In fact, on my street now, we've lived there for 32 years. Me being me, I know most of the people on that street. The next door neighbors to us, Jim and Pam, they're now followers of Jesus. When we were on the street, they weren't. But they are now, they're active in their church. Other side, we've got a young guy there who is, uh, does landscape gardening. Dave is a great guy, knows we go to church, etc., and he trusts us a lot. Beside them is a young lady. She's a she's, um, single parent, but she's bringing up a, a young son who's dual heritage like I'm ours, and he's, she's doing a great job. Next to her is Jackie, who lost her husband to cancer just a couple of years ago, was able to go along to the funeral and be a support and encouragement to her. She's just had two hip replacements. Across the road, we've got uh, another lady there. Eileen takes the dog out for a walk every now and then. We get on very well with her. So, and then next to them, there's someone else. And the thing is that I stop and talk. I've prayed with some of the people on our street. There's Ruth, who works in a college, who's actually a customer of ours. She's just lost, her, well, she's, her job's been made redundant, but she lost a, a family member. I think her father died suddenly. So we were able to pray with her. And now, is it because, oh, yes, you are, you are sanguine. You are outgoing. No, not everybody is like you. Well, friends... It's, it's, this, this is not about personality, friends. This is about having a heart for people because of what God has done in your life. So don't excuse yourself because I am an introvert, you know. You don't know my history. And, and that, that's for other people. I can serve, but I don't really want to talk to people. Look, friends, if God took that attitude, none of us would be here. None of us would be here. Because God in, in his, in God the Father, God the Son were having, and God the Holy Spirit were having sweet fellowship together. They didn't have to break out of that to, for God to become a man and, and, and come down and experience pain and dejection on our behalf.
We need to discover realizing God can use our personality and style to connect with someone just like you. That's what I'm saying. Finding points of connection around family, occupation, and recreation. Four, that's how you do it. You meet someone, in the book, Bill talks about he's into, into sailing. I'm not into sailing. <laughs> yes? But Chris goes to the car club, so he has the TR6. <laughs> nice car. Yes? Me, it's athletics. I love athletics. I did it as, as a youngster to a county level, as a county champion, so I can connect. Find your connection. I've traveled the whole country, so when I've met meet someone, oh, where are you from? South Shields. Oh, I've been up there, lovely people. You start, you find a connection. Or occupation, what do you do? What kind of work do you Oh, that's interesting. Yes, I know someone's involved in that. How did you get into that line of work? And recreation, of course, the car club, etc. Now, this is practical stuff. But this is, because most of us, we don't know how to do this. But this is how you do it. You learn how to do it. You learn family, occupation, recreation. You should be able to connect with people over those three things. Being attuned to the movement and prompting of the Holy Spirit. Now, this is really where it's all for the fun. You see, the Holy Spirit will nudge you. Just as he nudged me. It was, it's not easy to go out with someone who's 31, 32 to go and have a meal with them. I don't feel comfortable about that at all. You know, I'm trying to... And the Lord said, go. I'm thinking, oh, all right. See, but for that moment, Amy received the blessing of God. I could tell you other stories like that. But the fact is... If you tune in, you'll be walking up the road and you'll just feel a prompt. I need to just stop and say hi. Now, the prompt may not be that you give them the whole gospel in one mouthful. Yeah. The prompt may be just to stop and say, hi, how you doing? Oh, that's, or you compliment something that you've seen about them and you say, oh, that looks really nice. And the conversation develops from there. It's that simple. That's the prompt. Because people think, oh, the Holy Spirit has prompted me. Now in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, you know, no, it's not that. It's a, a simple conversation. <laughs> okay. So, these are some of the things. So, the final point here is discern the next steps. Because once you've developed the relationship with the person and you're good friends with them, the Holy Spirit will prompt you as to what the next step be. Now, the next step could be that you provide some resources for them. It could be a book. It could be a CD. It could be a tape. It could be that the next step is that we've got an exciting Easter service coming up and you decide to invite them along. The Lord will show you what it is. But the important thing is that you have the right resources and you do the right thing at the right time. Finding out points of connection. I've got, yes? Beg your pardon. Do life together. In other words, the idea is that we journey with people. And you know what the problem is? The problem is that most of us are so busy. We're busy doing our job. We're busy with our family. We're busy with so many other things. We don't have time for people. You know how it is, you, you know, if you catch a train to work, you come off of that train and you are focused. I want to get home. I need food. I need rest. Yeah? Yeah, is it? You know, you, you've been up to London. Come off the train. <laughs> get to work. 
got a meeting with the boss, get through that meeting with that unscathed, without him giving any more work than you already got. Then you have to meet people, blah, blah, blah. You do all of that. Then you know you've got to get home for six, this, because, sons, because your daughter's got to do this. So you, you focus and you get on the train and you get home and you get in the door. Then when you get in the door, you find the whole world has fallen apart and there's been a big argument between this person and the other person and you've got to sort all of that out. And the last thing's on your mind is going to talk to the person next door or having a chat over the garden fence over, uh, uh, about their day. Hello, is, is this, am I, yeah? Yeah? Because th- that's what my life is like. But you hear, the thing is this, the idea is that you take time, maybe a few, four, minutes, four or five minutes to just talk with that person, journey with them. You know, we got laid on our road there, she lost her dad. Her dad was a very cantankerous man and she would come and talk to me about him and say, I don't know, I'm not talking to him at the moment. Then he died. And one day I'm just coming out the car, zooming actually to pass this meeting, and I said, Dawn, how are you? And it was obvious she was not good, even though he was a cantankerous old son, so she missed him. So there and then, just prayed the blessing of God on her, just ministered God's, it was simple, it was no deep stuff, it was just comfort your daughter at this time when she's experiencing loss and pain, and may she know your peace. That was it, gone. You know, Dawn, we still talk together. We, you know, when she's ready, she'll talk over the fence. She's going through some kind of health issues at the moment. But the reality is she's happy to talk because we're journeying together. You know, we tease each other because, you know, we're not that far. Our ages are about the same, etc., etc. Journeying with people. And the next point here. A little persistence, a little perseverance, and a big dose of being tuned into the ever-present Spirit of God, and he will show us the next step. It's a journey, folks. Now, I've had the privilege of being the final link in the chain. Remember, there's a guy, I think Jerry, he comes from Harpenden. Andy and Kate have been working and praying for this guy for years. I did a preach one Sunday and made a you know, call, whoever wants to come to know Jesus, I went down there, sat out the front, down the front here, and Jerry gave his life to Jesus. Now, I was just the one that finished the job off, but it was Andy and Kate who had worked with that guy over the years and had prayed for him, etc. You can be a link in the chain. Not a couple that come, they'll come to the second service, I think Stephen, Carol, blah, blah, blah. Um, we did a, they came up for prayer, and I just prompted to say to them, do you know Jesus? I said, no. So both of them, we led to Jesus. Now, Chances are there have been other people that have been working with them over the years. My good friends Andrew and, Andrew and Chris Mills, uh, they were not followers of Jesus when I met them in 1998. That's where I am my business. But I saw the potential in that man. But anyway, through situations and circumstances and challenges, they have now become followers of Jesus and are actively working here as part of this community in the feed program. So you can be the link. You may not always have to close the deal, but you can move people, if it was one to 10, you can move them from naught, from naught to two. Just with the hello and how are you and how are things going. Does that make sense? Is that good? So then, hey, you would not believe this, but I am finished. Yay! 
all week, you know, Chris has been saying, and the guys, oh, Dan, you know, you've got to finish on time, you know, you know, blah, blah. You know, I always laugh because obviously when you're the senior pastor and you run over, no one can beat you. <laughs> but they, they do anyway, actually, you know, because he's got Fliss there and she brings him under manners. But the reality, she's looking, really? <laughs> But the reality is I've finished here. I've worked on this. What we would suggest strongly is that you get hold of this book and you start to work through it. Those of you who are life group leaders, get with your groups. There's practical, this is the summertime, man. This is the time when people are out there. The sun is in the sky. People want to eat burgers and they want to have a braai if you're South African. You know, this is a great time to connect with people. This is a time to, to reach out because people are out there. In the winter, everything is rude and beer and, and everybody's kind of in their house. But this time of the year, everybody's out there. So this is a great time. So get hold of this book. There's wonderful, at, end, at the end of each chapter, some questions for you to think through and talk about. The great thing about this book is what I like. It's individual as well as group. It's individual as well as group. So let me bring it home before I get in trouble. You know, in Mark chapter 3, we read about the man with the withered hand. And here's the situation. The Pharisees are really upset about this man, Jesus. They want to catch him out. So what they decide to do is they bring this man with the withered hand on a Sunday. Because, and they're thinking he's not going to heal people on a Sunday. Sounds stupid, doesn't it? But anyway, Jesus recognizes what is going on. And he looks at the Pharisees and thinks to himself, you... You know, I can't say what he said, but it wasn't good. You know, he was, he's thinking, you know, you're just a bunch of hypocrites. Anyway, calls the bloke it, heals him in the name of Jesus, and his hand is now restored. Friends, when you become a follower of Jesus, you too and I had a withered hand. But God in his mercy is healing you up so your hand is whole. Why is he doing this? It's so that you can reach out that hand to a withered world. That those who are brokenhearted, those who are cast down, those who are held captive, God can use you as a conduit to which his grace and his mercy can flow and you can begin to connect with them. And it starts with a smile. It, it starts with a smile, friends. It starts with a hi, how you doing? It starts with a compliment. And what we need to learn to do is tune into the Holy Spirit because we tune him out with all the busyness and the stuff that's going in our life. But Jesus saved you so that you could be the means through which others could come to a knowledge of the, about Jesus. And the truth, that's the truth. He didn't just save you so you could just sit in church, look good, enjoy the worship, and vicariously live this life of faith and then go home and watch the tennis. <laughs> which is what most of us are going to do today, aren't we? That's what we're going to do. We hope Andy Murray well. We wish him well. And I'm not saying that's wrong, but which, watch it with your friends. He saved you for something bigger than yourself. And as we live in, learn to live in 3D, as we learn to develop relationships with people, as we learn to discover their stories, friends, the greatest honor you can have is have someone trust you with their story. And then discern the next steps. Friends, that's how God has called us to live. And I hope this is useful to you. Please, please stand. Bang, yo, come. Yeah? Because we're looking to see these seats filled. We're looking to have 100 baptisms in December. 
If every one of us brought someone new to Jesus to church, we would be in problems here in the building. And that's what we want. I'm, I'm trusting God that we're going to have midweek services. Uh, I think big. You know, It's not great for us as a preaching team, but why? Because the, the numbers are going to be so great. Because people are, people are open. People want to be connected with. And God has brought you here so that you can be the very means through which others who are seek, searching and seeking for Jesus can come to a knowledge of him through your life as you reach out towards him. Amen.